Hello, and welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast for Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. This week at Edgewood. I've missed you guys. Have you missed being like this? Yes. Who's missed this? Who, okay, let me ask you this. Who, for, who is the, like, this is the first time you've been around a group singing since it has all started. Is this the first time you've been around a group singing? Did that feel good or what? Doesn't it just, can't you, I mean, you could just, you feel it. I think it's that, that communion of the Spirit together. Can't you just feel, I just feel, I love it. Um, all right, I could get all sappy, but I'm not going to. Uh, did Sam find my clip? It's plugged in, it's charging, it's a little thing. Got buttons and oh, he found it. That's I sent him to college. I knew he could figure it out. And it's working good. All right, so a couple introductory thoughts. Uh, some of you may have forgotten. This is the part where when you get together as a church, you all sit down. The singing is over, and you listen to the the pastor. That's what I am. Who did anybody forget that? <laughs> Some of you are like, what are we doing now? I don't understand. Is there a movie or something? Where's the popcorn? Um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm glad everybody wore pants today. It's good, good. Thank you for doing that. Um, for those of you that have not been able to get online, we've been going through 1 Thessalonians, but that's okay because we just came to a breaking point in 1 Thessalonians. And so it's going to break off right here. We're at the very end of chapter 3. The first three chapters of First there's only uh, five chapters so the first three chapters of First Thessalonians is, is all introduction, and it's all Paul giving thanks, and so that's what we've been looking at this whole time. And now we've gotten to the end of the, the longest Pauline thanksgiving that he ever gives has happened, and he's to the very end of it. And I'm going to pop these scriptures up there, uh, very end of chapter three, verses nine and ten. Say, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you. This is what we talked about last week. That is what we were praying for. That's what he was praying for with the Thessalonians. That's what we were praying for for this week, that we may see you face to face. And Paul hoped that he could supply what was lacking in their faith. So we were talking about that last week. And then as soon as he's done with this, Paul actually jumps into, so the next three verses are going to be a prayer. Okay? I'm actually kind of nervous today. It's been so long since I've done this. I feel, I feel off my game. This is weird being up here on this. Okay. You can do it now. I can do it. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Um, actually, I am going to stop to pray because what Paul says next is a prayer. These next three verses are a prayer. So Paul's like saying all these Thanksgiving, and then he stops, and then he, he writes... A prayer. And so we're going to get a glimpse at Paul's prayer that he, he's, he's written this out to be an example for us. How did Paul pray? The next, next three verses, you're going to see how Paul prayed. So let's pray ourselves and then let's look at Paul's prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just want to take a moment now and I want to thank you, God, that we are together. I pray, God, that you would bless this time that we have. I pray that you would bless the words that are shared today. God, I pray that it would be of you. I pray that your spirit would be poured out on us today as we fellowship together. 
Lord, as we want to learn more about you together, and I pray that your word would infiltrate our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so verse 11 says this, the beginning of Paul's prayer. He says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Now in the Greek language, there is what is known as mood. Okay, now I'm going to give you a heads up. This first verse, I'm going to get real technical. Okay? Can you deal with that for like 10 minutes? Kit's not good with it. She's leaving. Sorry, Kit. Um, so I'm going to be real technical here for just this, this one verse. Okay? I don't want to lose you because the next verse has something I think we all... In fact, I was going to skip over three, these three verses and start chapter 4 today until I went back and read through these three again. And I was like, oh man, wait, there's something good here. Okay, so here we go. Um, another side note, I'm sorry we're getting so distracted today, but my wife has been, I, she hasn't heard a word I said this morning. She's been sitting here hoping, I can't wait till one of the babies cries, and I just want those moms to go, would you hold them for me? We all know that's what she was doing, wasn't she? She was just sitting there going, oh, come on, somebody cry. She just went right out there. I knew she was doing that. Um, all right, okay, okay, focus. Here we go. Verse 11. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Now in the Greek language, the verb here is the word direct, direct our way to you. This is in, in the Greek language it has moods. Verbs can have a mood to it. It gives us feeling of what it's about. And so there's a way that you can tell that by looking at the language. This is what is known as the optative mood. Literally, in the Greek, like if you look at, okay, what is this talking about? The optative mood is a, is a wish. It's a hope. So literally, commentaries will say uh, many times, they'll, they'll look at these three words and they'll go, this is a wish prayer. It's a prayer where Paul is, he's, he's hoping. He doesn't know what's going to happen, but he's, he's just saying, I hope this. God, I hope this. That's the, the feeling of it. Okay? So it's in this optative mood. And he says, he wants the Lord to direct our way. That could also be translated literally make a straight path. So in a, in a world, in Paul's world, where you had very few straight roads, that became a saying for them, like, I hope we can get there quickly. In fact, uh, I mentioned last week that the, the road, from, now Paul had gone from Thessalonica to Berea. I told you that last week, I said from Berea down to Corinth, where he's writing this letter right now, it's, it's 140 miles. But for Paul, it would have taken 200 miles of travel time. So did he, did he have a straight shot? No. And so when he says this, he may have even thought about that. He just made that journey. And he's like, Lord, make a straight path back to them. That's what he's praying. In a very, in a very literal way, I think he was hoping, I, I wish I could get back quicker than it took me to come down here. I wish I could get back to you guys. That's what he's been praying. And now he's turning to Christ and he's saying, oh, Lord, please make a straight path back to those people. How many of you have thought that about others in this group while we've been away from each other? I wish I could get a straight path back to where they're at. I just want to be around them again. Okay? Now, side note, I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail here. Okay? First Thessalonians, here, I'm going to go over here since it's a rabbit trail. First Thessalonians was most likely the first letter written in the New Testament. We think that the book of James was written before this, but this was most likely the first one written. And it's interesting as a theologian when you look at this because you say, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus. So who is Paul praying to in this verse? The Father and the Lord Jesus. 
Now, the verb I said is that direct our way to you. The verb there is a singular verb. So you have already in one of the very first writings of the New Testament, dating all the way back, just about 20 years after Jesus had been resurrected and ascended, you have already the writers of the New Testament referring to Christ side by side with the Father. This is a great example of when theologians say, what are proofs of the deity that Jesus is God in the flesh? This is a great example of that the God and the Father, and then there's a singular verb that direct is singular. The two, one thing that he's hoping for. Rabbit trail. I had to, I had to mention it. Now, this is what Paul's praying for. He's saying, Lord, in, in your time, I want to get back to them. It actually was a long time before Paul actually got to make it back to the Thessalonians. He doesn't know this at the time. He's hoping for it. Now we're going to shift gears into verse 12. Okay, so there's, we're setting the path of Paul's praise. I just want to be with you. Listen to what he prays next for them. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Now, he spent a lot of time talking about how much he loves them. And so he says now, he prays, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. This and could have been translated, but, in other words, he's saying, uh, regardless of whether I make it to you, I'm praying this will happen. And the mood shifts from like, man, I hope so, to I'm praying this, I'm asking for this. Increase and abound. Those words sound like the same thing to us, don't they? Increase, abound, they're very similar, aren't they? I'll use a theologian here. He says this. He says, Taken together, the verbs show the superlative degree to which the apostles wanted the church's love to grow. The prayer is not something that their love increase, that it, but that it abounds beyond limits, being exceedingly great and overflowing. Okay, let's go back. There's a theologian named Chrysostom. I think that's how you pronounce it. Those biblical people in here, they're probably like, no, that's not right. John Chrysostom? Is it Chrysostom or Chrysostom? Does anybody know? It didn't matter. He lived around the year 400 AD. He wrote about these books of the Bible. He wrote about Thessalonians. He had these homilies on Thessalonians. I want you to hear his words when he wrote on this verse about the year 400 AD. Listen to what he says. He says, I love the phrasing. Do you see the unrestrainable madness of love. I like that. I'm going to read that part again. Do you see the unrestrainable madness of love that is shown by his words make you to increase and abound instead of just cause you to grow? Chrysostom says, do you see the unrestrainable madness of love? That's what Paul is praying for. That's what I'm praying as I read through this today. That's what I hope that even today, this is what we all ought to be praying that is happening with each of us. And that, that Christians, now let me ask you, is there great cause and need for something like this in our world today? unrestrainable madness of love. What if our world had a people 
who because of the blood of Christ and the power of the Spirit could be those kind of people in this world. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Paul's praying for this measure of love. But ask yourself, for who? Who who are we supposed to love? What's it say in this passage? Do you see two things there? What are the two things you see? Who's he saying love? One another and all. Now, one another, this is a clear biblical teaching, our brothers and sisters in Christ. There ought to be a unique, special, back-and-forth sort of unrestrainable madness of love that we have for each other. Christians for other Christians. That ought to be clear. (laughs) Not confused with anything else. That's what we ought to be. You believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ? Man, there's an unrestrainable madness of love that ought to be growing, increasing, abounding more and more for each other. I mean, just Google sometime. In fact, I challenge you to do it. Google the phrase, one another passages of Scripture, and you'll find all kinds of websites that have lists of all the one another's in the New Testament. Galatians 6.10 says, uh, Paul writes, So then we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I mean, he, he clearly teaches this over and over again. But back to our verse. Obviously, unrestrainable. Madness of love for one another, but also for all. Let me give you a few other passages, one later in this book, because after this, Paul actually teaches on how, how do you do this. Okay, this is what's going to happen. He's praying for it here. The rest of the book is how. First Thessalonians 5.15, he hits this topic again. He says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. Think, think through. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So there he says it again, one another and everyone. Paul, at one point when he's instructing Timothy, was Timothy one of his companions on this trip? In fact, yeah, he was. Timothy was the one that he'd gone back to Thessalonica, come back um, to, to Paul, reported about how the Thessalonians were doing. Paul, in a letter to Timothy, is teaching Timothy, he says this. He says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. Now, some of you like this next part. Correcting his opponents. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Any of that going on on Facebook? Correcting opponents. What's the rest of that, set, that sentence say? With gentleness. And what type of correcting is it talking about? There's a hope in the correcting. If you, if you go down that path of correcting with gentleness, if you think you can actually correct with gentleness, first of all, if you go, I don't know if I can do it with gentleness, then shut up. Correcting with gentleness, so you correct with gentleness. But for what goal, what purpose? God may perhaps grant them what? Is it, do you see a hint in here of getting everybody to agree with all of your views of how the world ought to work? No. 
You're talking about, if you're correcting, it's, it's, it's about bringing them to the, the God of all peace who came to this earth and died on the cross for their sins that they might go, he did that for me. What great love is that? What great love is that? How about when Paul talks to Titus, another one of his companions on other journeys, he says, remind them, he's telling Titus when you're preaching, he says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. This loving for everybody finds its roots in the very teachings of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 says, you've heard it said, You've heard this one. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who came here, suffered wrongly at the hands of evil people, died on a cross, shed his blood. One of the things he accomplished was the breaking down of that wall of hostility. Between us, that same Jesus says this. But I say to you, love your enemies. And pray. Pray for those who persecute you. And I read that and I can't help but think of Christ on the cross. Wrongfully treated. Looking out and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let's just look at these last five passages and think about what Paul has said. I squeeze them all into one slide for you. I was really responsible this morning, and I actually typed all these up on a little sheet of paper and printed it out so I could hand it out to all of you, and then I forgot to make copies of it. <laughs> on the floor there, on my bag. <sighs> but I wanted to do that, and I might still try to do that before you leave. Make those copies and just have them ready for you. Because I think that when we think about unrestrainable madness of love, and we go, what does that look like? I think some of these phrases ought to pop out. Okay, unrestrainable madness of love for one another and for all. So I'm not going to repay anyone evil for evil. I'm always going to seek. Always going to seek to do good. I'm not going to be quarrelsome. But instead, what's he say? Kind to everyone. Patiently enduring evil. If you think you can go down the correcting of your opponents, let it be done with gentleness and with the hope of repentance that that person might see Jesus. If, if you're correcting of your opponent... You stop and you go, I don't think my correcting is going to result in them going, Jesus is wonderful. If you don't think that the correcting of your opponents is going to lead to people going, Jesus is wonderful. Again, I say, thou must shut up. Speak evil. Of most people. No, that's not what it says. What is it? Speak evil of 
of very few people. No. Laser pointer time. Speak evil of who? No one. But what about, no. But, but no. Okay. But what about, no. But Matt, I do have a perfect example. What about, no. <laughs> Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. You guys in this room, if any of you are like, well, I don't want to be gentle. And put people in their place. I'll tell you what. There is no greater sign of strength that I've ever seen than a person with restrained lips who responds in gentleness. When you see that, you go, how do you do that? How'd she do that? Show perfect courtesy. That, word, that could also be translated, uh, not just perfect courtesy, it could be, be show humility towards all. I like that translation, though. Show perfect courtesy. And then Jesus himself, his words, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, I was originally, I, that was going to be the midpoint of the message. Because there's another verse in this chapter. But I realized this morning, I actually have the notes for the whole rest of it. I could do it. I'm telling it right now. Don't, don't tempt me. I could do it. I want to give you a teaser for next week. And I want to give you this teaser because Paul, what Paul prays next, if you, if you stop and let yourself soak in the words of what Paul prays next, you will think to yourself, that feels alarming. You might be like me. I almost skipped over it entirely. And then I was unfolding these two like, whoa, man, there's so much more here. And the more I got to, the more I thought, that, that needs its own. I got, I'm going to have to stop right here. Because that, and let's be honest, that right there, that we could deal with that for the next month, couldn't we? And you may start to feel like someone who, who could be described as unrestrainable madness of love. I'm telling you, I, I, I hope, my, my wish prayer is that people would see the people that have come here and the people that are Christians, the people who know who Jesus is in this world, and you guys go, you're mad. You're crazy the way you love. You're, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you that you would love that way? It makes no sense. It'll make sense to you because you know who your hero is? Jesus. Talk about unrestrainable madness of love and you think about him going to the cross. You go, it makes sense to me. You know who my hero is? All right, teaser, verse 13. Teaser, just a little glimpse, little glimpse. I'm going to show it to you. So that, so you, what's he praying that you have this unrestrainable madness of love, that your love will increase and abound, overflowing, never stopping, <laughs> bubbling out for, for each other and for everybody else. Praying for that. Why? He says right here, so that, so that, 
He, God, may establish, strengthen your hearts. This is, this is it right here. Are you ready for it? See, this, this, I hope that your love is just unrestrainably mad. Why? So that, right here, your hearts will be blameless in holiness before God, the way He sees it. So God, God, now I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not breaking this down. That's what we're going to do next week. Let's just think about what it says. And I think if you just think about what it says, you go, that's, that's unnerving. Paul's saying, I hope this happens. Why? Because I, I, I hope that as God the Father sees your heart, did you guys you know God can see your heart, right? You already knew that. Paul's saying, I'm praying that as, as God the Father sees your heart, that it will be your heart, the very inner person of who you are, will be blameless in holiness on a specific day at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints, or some virgin say with all his holy ones. It's a quote from Zechariah 14.5. Paul's literally saying in this verse, and I'm not going to explain, I'm not going to try to make you feel at ease about this at all. I want you to feel a little uncomfortable. Especially with the task, unrestrainable madness of love. That's what we're going for. Paul's praying for it. I'm praying for it. You're probably now praying for it for yourself. Unrestrainable madness of love. It's crazy. So that the day that Christ comes back and God looks at your heart, He goes, blameless in holiness. Now, just let it sit for what it says. I know some of you are going, okay, now wait a minute. What about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and that my righteousness is... Okay, I know. But Paul still, actually multiple times, prays exactly like this. He, he, he's trusting fully in the, the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he will still tell all of the people that he teaches. He still prays for them. In almost every book that he writes, he prays, I pray that when Jesus comes back, the day that you, you are before Him, that when God, the judge of all the earth, looks at your heart, what's He going to see? For me, that's unnerving. Now, my confidence, I'll tell you right now, my full confidence is in Jesus. He did it all for me. But I still read this and I say, mm-hmm. I still, I understand ultimately that Paul, like you, don't you want the day that he comes back that maybe you've increased and abounded in love? And when you stand before God the Father, man, it could be. I know, I know some, of you, some of you out there, you, you're like crazy... Revelation people right now, you're like, what's going to happen next? God's coming back. I'll tell you what, you can meet God before you get home today, even if not the rest of us do. So stop thinking about when he's coming back. I'm telling you, you don't know when your day is.
And Paul's prayer, my prayer, is that when you stand before him, that the God, God the Father will look down upon you and see in the very inner being of who you are, someone who, in Paul's words, was blameless in holiness before him. Oh, man. Can you see why this is a prayer to pray? Oh, Lord. I've got a long way to go. Just today, I've been quarrelsome and mean and angry just this morning before church. Oh, Lord. I've got a long way to go. I hope that as you walk out of here today, you'll go, Lord, I, I want, help me. You know, there's a verse at the very end of Thessalonians. I'm going to mention it next week as well. I'm not going to put it up there today for you. That says, it uses almost the same phrasing, this blameless and holiness. And he says, God will sanctify you, set you apart. He will, and then it says, he will do it. My confidence comes in the fact that I go, if it's going to happen, God's going to do it. If me being blameless in holiness and being somebody who has unrestrainable madness of love, if that's possible, that's not going to be me. I might punch somebody in the face. That would be me. If they were smaller than me. <laughs> unrestrainable madness of love. Do you see? Do you see that? Do you see the unrestrainable madness of love that is shown in his words and Paul's words? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that you would, by a miracle of your grace, take this group that is in this building this morning of stubborn, obstinate, selfish people that we all are and we know it. Transform us by your grace by the example of your love. So that people might look, and let's keep it small, Lord, in Danville, in our communities that we're in, I know some of us are, aren't in Danville, Oakwood and Covington, wherever we're at, I pray that people would look at us that, and think that person is unrestrainably mad with love. Lord, let us be that in this world. By your grace and your mercy, allow us to be that in your world. I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Would you hear this prayer and work it out in our hearts? In his name, amen.